Castaways. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelsey. And in today's episode, we're discussing haunted lakes in the U.S. and our theories surrounding the link between water and the paranormal. But first, as we do in Fair Verona, Sarah, would you like to lay the scene? Any plans this weekend? In the spirit of the autumn season, I have a Friendsgiving this weekend that I'm going to. Yeah. So I bought the ingredients to make my signature garlic bread. So good. It's so good. (laughs) Shout out Hecate. It's a great offering and she really loves garlic, but I also get to eat it. (laughs) Right. You know, (laughs) it's all about the chives basil and way too much garlic Mm -hmm. it's also super protective so it's to die for but speaking of to die for and diving (laughs) right into our topic today Kels what's your favorite lake that you've been to Ooh. Oh, so places like Lake Placid and Lake George will always be special to me, of Mm. course. But I have to say probably Lake Ontario. Mm. I've only been out in western New York a handful of times. But one summer, my aunt, uncle, brother and I took a weekend trip to Sterling, New York to go to a renaissance fair, actually. (laughs) Um, I've never been to one and I've always wanted to go. (laughs) It was fun. The jousting was really cool. (laughs) But our motel was right near Lake Ontario. And so we spent some time there uh, at this place called The Bluffs, I think, if, if memory serves. Uh, which is just this rocky outcropping right along the edge of the lake. And I just felt so in my element there. Mm -hmm. For those who have maybe never been to any of the Great Lakes or have even seen or heard of them, they're huge. They're big enough that you can't see land on the other side. So they almost look more like the ocean than they do a lake. But that's what I love. Mm -hmm. That expanse of water and nothing else. It makes me feel all fuzzy and universally (laughs) connected inside. Like I just want to be dropped in the middle of the ocean at some point in my life and just dive down and be surrounded by nothing but water. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Lake Ontario has its fair share of ghost stories, too, and you could definitely feel that kind of energy just totally surrounding the area. It was almost eerie. (laughs) For those of you who might not know, there's also a great lake called Lake Erie. (laughs) Aside from ghost ships and a blue sea serpent that was spotted numerous times throughout the 18th and 19th centuries, so much so, apparently, that they named him Kingstee at one point. Kingstee. Yeah. There's also the legend of the Lake Ontario Banshee. She's said to travel on the wind, and her shrieks sound like the wailing from a gale. It's said that sailors know when they're around her presence because a dark cloud will follow around the bows of their ships. I didn't experience any Banshee, but <laughs> the atmosphere there is really unique Mm -hmm. for a lack of a better term i guess the most accurate way to describe it was wistful almost Mm. like you looked out onto the lake and it was like you could feel your soul yearning for something sure and you're just looking out at this vastness and you know there's trials and tribulations yet to face (laughs) on your journey forward wherever that may lead or that 
could have just been because we went on a windy day. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I prefer the drama and pizzazz of it all. <laughs> How about you? What's your favorite lake that you've been to? First off, you mentioned Lake Placid. Mm-hmm. Love that. Bringing it back to last week's episode where we discussed sound clearing, I always thought that drumming felt like sound clearing. Mm. And my father was a drummer and he played at the opening ceremony for the 1980 Olympics in Lake Placid. Which is so freaking cool, by the way. (laughs) I am a massive Mm -hmm. Olympic nerd. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was with the old guard Fife and Drum Corps or... The president's own. They're an elite group of musicians within the military. But drumming for me feels like it's particularly tied to my ancestors when like clearing energy, since Mm -hmm. I'm a fourth generation musician. Um, I found a photo of them playing in the ceremony in one of the like little establishments up there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But it's not like placid for me. Close second, though. (laughs) My favorite is Lake Champlain. Hmm. I've lived around it several times, and the thing is, like, just huge. (laughs) It's filled to the brim with just such history and lore from shipwrecks of the Battle of 1812 in Mm -hmm. Plattsburgh to our own beloved upstate lake monster, Champ. Yeah. There's even a witch of the lake, and Mm -hmm. yeah, that'll be discussed a little bit later. But just some quick background on the Adirondacks of where some of the lakes that we'll be mentioning are located, for those who might not know. It's a park consisting of 6 million acres of both public and private land in upstate New York. There are more than 200 lakes around the mountains, including Lake George, Lake Champlain, and Lake Placid. The rocks of the Adirondack Mountains originated about 2 billion years ago. <laughs> 2 billion years ago. It's unfathomable. <laughs> like, imagine how much energy is contained in those rocks. Mm-hmm. Like, no wonder upstate is so haunted. Mm-hmm. And not even just with the paranormal. There are so many animals that live up there, too, which people say don't, like wolves. Mm. They definitely do. I've seen one. I've seen them amongst many others, like mountain lions and all that. Bigfoot. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. So from APANewYork.gov, it states that the park was created by the state of New York amid concerns for the water and timber resources of the region. Today, it's the largest publicly protected area in the United States, constitutionally protected to remain a forever wild forest preserve. I do have to say that something the U.S. excels at, our national parks and reserves are top tier. Right? (laughs) I mean, the Adirondacks, it's larger than Yellowstone, the Everglades, and Grand Canyon National Park combined. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's huge. (laughs) I also love in It's Always Sunny how Charlie has a getaway to the Adirondacks (laughs) t-shirt. It always makes me smile. Um, But people usually talk about the peaks of the Adirondacks and the lakes, I feel, kind of come second unless you're like a boater. Mm, Completely. Are you a swimming in the lake type of person? To my own probable detriment, I'm a there's water, no thoughts, Mm -hmm. only action, jump in kind of person. I want to get my scuba license at some point and free dive with sharks. 
I just love being so far out on the water that you can't see land anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm definitely a, like, what the fuck is in the water kind of gal. <laughs> Eels freak me out, even though they're, like, pretty cool creatures. I mean, Lake George is full of them, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be swimming with an eel. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> and swimming with Champ in Lake Champlain. Um, no, I'll just watch from afar. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I'm like a paddleboard or canoe kind of mm-hmm. lady. I've canoed in Willsboro Bay of Lake Champlain several times, but like I won't go out any farther than that. The waves are huge. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> my friend, uh, my good friend had a pretty terrifying experience on that lake when she was a kid. There was a really just sudden and tumultuous storm that started raging while they were out on the water in a boat mm. um, now she goes out on the water like regularly again but fuck that <laughs> i don't want anything to do with that and when dealing with bodies of water it's kind of wild that there's such a oh my god my kitten is crying yeah. oh soren <laughs> johnny hello boys <laughs> but it's wild that there's such a dichotomy between its ability to evoke both serenity and like pure terror mm. where you are just totally helpless mm-hmm. through physical and paranormal means. Yeah. Like one night you might be having a picnic on the shore of a quiet lake. And then three days later, that same lake is like surging and crashing mm. over boats and ferries since we both work with the water element and it's more prevalent in your practice uh do you want to start off with just some thoughts on the link between the paranormal and bodies of water sure it's a well-known and fairly well-documented theory mm-hmm. within the paranormal community that bodies of water seem to attract or energize spirits, but even just rain or a thunderstorm is said to help aid spirits and give them energy to appear or otherwise make communication with us easier on the side of the physically living. I think because water is our literal life source that continues on even in the afterlife. Energy can't be created or destroyed, just transformed. So why wouldn't water also help aid energy that doesn't have a physical form anymore? Mm -hmm. Of course, it's just a personal theory. But I do believe that that has to play some part, at least, into why there is such a link between the paranormal and running water. Mm -hmm. What are are your thoughts on all that? Well, it's been raining (laughs) so hard here. And we said, like, wow, what are the odds that we're talking about water and the paranormal? And there's a huge storm outside right now as we're talking about storms. (laughs) But that's always my go-to description of witchcraft, honestly. So energy can't be created or destroyed, but it can be conjured or manifested. Mm. I mean, thinking about the sheer power of, like, an ocean wave, that's the dopamine rush for a spirit. It has to be, yeah. Personally, if I was a ghost right now, I wouldn't be flocking to the ocean every day. I'd go somewhere more rooted where I was in my lifetime or around who I love just to keep a close eye on them. But if I were a ghost in my lifetime who lived by the ocean, I think I'd be like a super ghost, (laughs) like super Saiyan, but ghosty. (laughs) 
I'd be more likely to hang out probably at Lake Champlain because I have such personal roots there. Yeah. But it's such a source of energy. And for spirits who pass onto the other side around water, though, or even like by means of water, Mm. I always wondered if they felt trapped because of how powerful that energy is. Like in addiction, you can't quit that endless last cigarette or just one more drink that turns into four at the dive bar. (laughs) That's a really good point. I remember in an (laughs) old episode of Ghost Hunters, they talked to the spirit of a boy who had died working in a factory where they used a water mill. Mm. And the mill was still running when they went, which I want to say was around like 2008, maybe. Uh But they asked him if he liked it there, and he said yes, because it was really easy to form and communicate with people, mm-hmm. and they suspected that it had something to do with the running water. And speaking of cigarettes, which, love that analogy, <laughs> by the way, uh, I should probably also let you know that I already have it written down in my very not official at all will <laughs> that if I die first, I want you to take some of my ashes and give me a little Viking funeral <laughs> somewhere off the coast of Cape Ann in Massachusetts. <laughs> and by Viking funeral, mm-hmm. if it's literally just you dumping a cup of ash off the breakwater at bearskin neck that is a-okay with me too <laughs> wait i thought you wanted to be turned into a tree well i do but i mean like just a pinch of my ash okay do <laughs> you you tell the coroner whoever no i just need i need a little sprinkle okay just like three specks <laughs> just give me like her finger yeah you know there, there her go. thumb yeah, sure <laughs> And I think um, Massachusetts is one of the only states that does tree burials anyway. Oh, great. So there you go. Awesome. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of wills and death and energy being tied to water, we have a few haunted lakes across the U.S. that we'd like to talk about this week. So, Sarah, would you like to start us off? Sure. Through our own research and experiences, we've come up with our own list of haunted lakes, some that we've been to, some we have yet to see. And as I said a bit earlier in this episode, not only is Lake Champlain one of my favorite lakes, but it's also pretty haunted. Some backstory and facts about Lake Champlain just to start us off from lakechamplainregion.com. Can't get more (laughs) direct than that for a link. (laughs) In an article by Suzanne May, she states that Lake Champlain stretches over 120 miles north and south and 12 miles at its widest point. That's 435 square miles of surface that currently occupies paddlers, sailors, fishermen, etc., etc., We know the lake was a major transportation route for Native Americans and migratory animals, and later activity included European exploration and military conflict. And it's essentially a graveyard. Mm. (laughs) At the bottom of the lake, there's over 300 known shipwrecks. Wow. Yeah, some, as stated, are from military conflict, but some sank during the commercial era when steamboats and ferries were predominant on the water. And as they met their tragic end, most blamed the Champlain witch. May states on this, 
I'm not sure when or where the Champlain legend of the witch began, but it's common knowledge among local sailors and boaters on this lake, even today. Some swear the lake is haunted by a very vengeful witch, perhaps a mother or a lover or someone who lost a young sailor to these waters many years ago. It's the Champlain witch that gets credit for freak pop-up storms, rogue waves, and other unusual on-the-water occurrences that often end in tragedy. Hmm. Legend has it that the Champlain witch was responsible for the tragic fate of the Sarah Ellen in 1860, which now lies on the bottom of the lake somewhere between Willsboro Point and her intended destination of Burlington, Vermont. The Sarah Ellen was a sailing cargo ship with two masts, and it only ever lived on Lake Champlain. History claims that she was fully laden with Willsboro's blue stone when she set sail for Vermont on December 19th, 1860. Storms can pop up very quickly on the lake at any time during the year, and such was the case on that fateful day. The broad section of Lake Champlain can see some pretty severe wave action during a storm. I've seen it myself, and <laughs> it's uh, nothing to take lightly. Mm. That, coupled with the freezing temperatures, hampered all sailing conditions, icing over sails, riggings, and steering mechanisms. Lake Champlain Maritime Museum's research team... Research team... (laughs) (laughs) Lake Champlain Maritime Museum's research team has uncovered the details. It was speculated that the Sarah Ellen may have sprung a plank with such heavy cargo or took water over the bow. Regardless, she began to sink. Three people aboard the Sarah Ellen, the captain, his bride, and one crew member, struggled to free the lifeboat that was covered with ice and managed to get it in the water, but remained clinging to it, not inside. When the companion ship that was on the water alongside them that day reached the lifeboat, they managed to pull one aboard, but the impact against the lifeboat coming alongside knocked the captain and his bride free into the water. They made another rescue attempt, but the couple disappeared into the freezing water of Lake Champlain before they were able to be rescued. Jeez. Many are convinced that this was the work of the Champlain witch, so... Today, May says, nine of the discovered shipwrecks are part of the Lake Champlain Underwater Preserve System, where brave certified divers can register annually to visit these preserved sites, but they're warned to treat them with respect. Maybe that'll be me one day. Uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) remember... Many of these are grave sites and may continue to be haunted by the Champlain witch to this day. So. (laughs) True. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another aspect of the lake that is very well known to locals is the lake monster Champ. Or more endearingly, Champy. Lake Champlain is the Adirondacks' largest lake, and for centuries, legends of a monster living in its depths, occasionally showing its face above the water, have been circulating. Again, from lakechamplainregion.com, the indigenous people that have long lived and hunted near Lake Champlain, the Abenaki and the Iroquois, have their own legends about a large creature inhabiting the lake, which looked like a large horned serpent or a giant snake. 
Early in the 18th century, Abenakis warned French explorers about disturbing the waters of the lake so as to not disturb the serpent. Samuel de Champlain, whom the lake is named after, is often credited with being the first European to sight Champ, but readings of his accounts show that he might have seen something more near the St. Lawrence River. Mm. The next more famous account appears in the Plattsburgh Republican newspaper in 1819. Captain Crum was aboard a ship on the Balwooga Bay. Balwooga Bay? (laughs) Balwooga Bay. (laughs) Balwooga Bay. (laughs) When he reported a black monster about 187 feet long and with a head resembling a seahorse that reared more than 15 feet out of the water. He claimed the monster that he saw had three teeth, eyes the color of a peeled onion, a white star on its forehead, and a belt of red around the neck. Oh my god. Yeah, this is a remarkable level of detail (laughs) concerning that an object was, or this object was, as according to witnesses, some 200 yards away. Also, I just really despise the description of eyes the color of a peeled Peeled onion. onion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's inventive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But. Yeah. (laughs) I just picture those little pearl onions. Yeah. Ew. (laughs) A New York Times story also reported around that time that a railroad crew had seen the head of an enormous serpent in Lake Champlain with bright silvery scales that glistened in the sun. That same year, Clinton County Sheriff Nathan Mooney reported an enormous snake or water serpent he thought was 25 to 35 feet long. Then in August, a steamship encountered Champ by running into him. Wow. So that ship nearly turned over, according to the tourists on board. Oh my god. (laughs) There was also another sighting in 1945 where all passengers on a boat saw a massive creature in the water. The sightings revved up again around the 90s with 600 people claiming sightings of Champ. Much like the similar Loch Ness monster, the sightings and photos of Champ are highly debated. Champ has been talked about on Japanese television, the Today Show, and one of my all-time favorites with that bangin' intro music, Unsolved Mysteries, Yes, along with many other shows and even scholarly journals. Wow. I saw this and thought this was super cool. Champ is now protected by law on both sides of Lake Champlain. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. In 1981, Port Henry, New York, they declared their waters a safe haven for Champ. I love that. 1982, the state of Vermont passes a house resolution protecting Champ. Period. And in 1983, in New York, both the state assembly and the state senate pass resolutions protecting Champy. Mm Mm-hmm. High priority cases. Yes, yes. Congress. Yes, Mm mm-hmm. He's celebrated by locals, too. Like, in Vermont, there's a baseball team called the Lake Monsters, and Champy is their mascot. There's statues and images of him all throughout the area surrounding the lake, and there's even a historical marker declaring the origin of Champ. Um, honestly, it, it feels wrong to call him a, a lake monster, though, because of how beloved he is yeah. to locals, which I was one several times, so... It's just Champy. Yeah. I wouldn't want to swim with him, though, because he looks pretty pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, 
I I would. I don't. I still don't know about those onion eyes. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Judging by the size of the lake, though, it makes sense that there could be something relatively unknown lurking in its waters. Mm-hmm. Also, due to its size, you would think that it would also be one of the Great Lakes. hundred <laughs> percent. Lake Ontario is the only Great Lake I've seen so far, mm-hmm. as I said a little bit earlier. But I would love to see Lake Superior at some point. Mm. I've always weirdly felt connected to that lake. But I think it's because my mom loves the song The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. So I grew up listening to that as a kid a lot and there's this one line in the opening that's actually pretty apt for this time of year since we're recording in november Mm -hmm. and mr lightfoot please don't copyright us (laughs) but it goes the lake it is said never gives up her dead when the skies of november turn gloomy Mm-hmm. That lake in particular always just seemed so powerful and mysterious to me, though. And it's apparently one of the most haunted lakes in the U.S., too. So I love her even more. <laughs> First off, the most well-known story has to be that of the Flying Dutchman, which to me is the coolest thing ever. I swear I had a past life in the 1800s where I was just some old, bearded, sweater-wearing <laughs> sea dog. <laughs> But in November of 1902, always November, (laughs) with Lake Superior, apparently, a crew of 21 aboard the SS Bannockburn got caught in an ice storm. A captain on a passing ship, the SS Algonquin, wrote in his notes that he watched the Bannockburn disappear into the fog. That was the last time anyone would see the ship, and to this day, neither the ship nor the crew have ever been recovered. Soon after the ship went down, though, sailors started seeing the apparition of a ship on the lake, which was usually accompanied by an ice storm after being spotted. Sailors that got close enough to the ghost ship have even said that they've seen a skeleton crew aboard hard at work. Hmm. In pop culture, the Flying Dutchman is usually something that's feared, but this one in particular seems to be a pretty good omen for sailors. She's spotted when heavy fog or an ice storm is about to roll in over the lake, and there's another ghostly tale from the crew of the Walter A. Hitchinson, who all said that the ship basically saved their lives. Again in November of 1947 this time, the freighter, the Walter A. Hitchinson, was caught in a wintry storm on Lake Superior. The navigation equipment ended up getting destroyed, so the captain steered the ship closer to shore so that he could see where he was going, obviously. (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All of a sudden, the Flying Dutchman was spotted coming out of a fog bank, and it almost charged right into the Hitchinson, apparently. The captain steered away to avoid colliding with the Dutchman, and the whole crew watched as the Dutchman hit some rocks and started getting torn apart. Then as quickly as the Dutchman had materialized, it vanished. The captain said that if he hadn't steered out of the way, his ship would have been the one hitting the rocks. So he credited the Flying Dutchman with saving his and his crew's lives. Isn't that crazy? The thought of like ghost ships (laughs) just really makes me think about that documentary about the Titanic called Ghost Ship, which I love. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's wild. There's another ghost ship spotted on the lake, 
and I think you'll really like this story. Mm-hmm. The SS Hudson capsized during a gale in September, not November, <laughs> of 1901 near Kawina Point, which I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, <laughs> at the very tip of Michigan. The ship wouldn't be spotted for another 40 years when in 1941, a tugboat captain and his mate came upon a ship that to them looked like the Hudson, only it was rusted and covered in a brown sludge. Mm. I know. They boarded the ship to see if anyone was in distress and came face to face with the entire crew who told the both of them that they were all dead and were damned to eternity to relive the sinking of the Hudson every single year on the day the ship sank. Like, Mm. what kind of karma is that? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's obviously not a residual haunting because the crew members were able to not only materialize, but talk. So I wonder what happens in cases like that, where it's like the ghost's actions or days are stuck on a loop, Mm -hmm. but they have intelligence outside of that. Maybe that's something else to explore in another episode. Can you imagine, though, coming face to face with not one apparition, but an entire crew of them? Honestly, that's how I feel about my ancestors sometimes (laughs) when I clear the energy in my home, like an army of people behind me, like my own personal crew. (laughs) But on a less personal note... Branching out from places that we have been to, we put together a list of some of the most fascinating haunted lakes that we found while doing our research that are also new to us. Yeah. So in no particular order, first up, we have Lake Lanier in Hall, Georgia. Since Lake Lanier's creation in the 1950s, nearly 700 deaths have been reported, with most of them occurring in strange and unusual ways. One of the lake's most well-known ghosts is that of Susie Roberts, who drowned in the lake in 1953. She was said to be wearing a blue dress on the night that she died, and a fisherman later found her body, which was missing its hands. Mm. Yeah. Since then, multiple people have claimed to see the figure of a young woman in a blue dress pacing along the shore, and she has a pretty distinct feature. She's missing both of her hands. Oh, God, I hate that. Yeah. Others have claimed to see the figure of a man sitting on a raft holding up a lantern who vanishes before their eyes, and shadow figures have been seen moving around and across the lake. And apparently there's a creepy ear-piercing sound that's said to emerge out of the depths. Oh. Yeah. Next we have East Lake in Lake Placid, New York. As with most haunted lakes, Lake Placid has its own Lady of the Lake, but this lady actually has a name, Mabel Smith Douglas. In 1933, Mabel Smith Douglas vanished while rowing across the lake. Scuba divers found her extremely well-preserved body in 1963 near Pulpit Rock, which plunges 105 feet straight down into the water. Boaters, hikers, and campers visiting the area have claimed to see the ghost of Mabel hovering around Pulpit Rock. Others have said they've watched a woman with bobbed hair, much like how Mabel styled hers, row across the lake, who ultimately ends up disappearing when she gets close to Pulpit Rock. Hmm. I've been around there. I've unfortunately never seen the ghost of Mabel. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Next, we have Gardner Lake in Salem, Connecticut. The legend of Gardner Lake is an interesting one, as no one knows exactly who's haunting it. During the winter of 1895, a man named Thomas LeCount wanted to move his house across the lake. That's a good last name. I know. LeCount. 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 <laughs> and the contractor he hired did exactly that. He put the entire house on sleds and moved it across the lake. Or so he tried anyway. With only a quarter of the way to go, the house slid off its skids and ended up falling under the ice, sinking until only the roof was still visible. It quickly became a tourist attraction because, of course, it did, mm-hmm. until ultimately <laughs> ending up completely sinking into the lake bed 30 years later. The LeCount family were able to retrieve most of their possessions, but heavier items like their grand piano remained submerged in the house. Oh, sure. <laughs> you getting that out. <laughs> exactly. <You know>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Decades later, boaters on the lake have claimed to hear eerie piano music rising from the depths. Did a LeCount family member return to the house after their passing? Or does a wayward spirit like stopping by to play the piano every now and then? (laughs) Then we have Haunted Lake in Francistown, New Hampshire. Known as Haunted Lake, Scobie Pond has numerous ghost stories, which date back to the mid-18th century. In 1741, legend said that the spirit of a murdered man could be heard wailing at night on the shores of the lake, and the Native Americans living in the area were said to avoid Haunted Lake due to superstition. In 1753, a group of surveyors wrote in their journals that every night for almost two weeks, they were awoken to the sound of screaming screams and moans emanating from the banks of Haunted Lake. That's terrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the lead surveyor told his crew to pack up and leave because he couldn't take the noise anymore. Then, in the early 1800s, visitors to the area claimed to hear groans and the sounds of phantom chains coming from deep in the woods surrounding the area. To this day, eerie sounds of men screaming and moaning can be heard at all hours of the night echoing across Haunted Lake. I don't like them. <laughs> screaming and moaning. <laughs> and groaning. <laughs> <laughs> One of Dallas's best-known legends is that of another Lady of the Lake on White Rock Lake. First spotted in 1943, a young couple parked on the edge of White Rock Lake turned their car headlights on, only to be met with a young girl in a wet dress walking towards them. She told them that her boat had overturned and she needed a ride home. According to the couple, the girl got in the back seat, but when they asked her for directions, she was gone. Another couple claimed to have seen the girl in 1953, and she also climbed into their back seat asking for a ride home. When the couple asked for directions, the girl again had vanished, but this time she had left watermarks on the back seat. Huh. Stowe Lake in San Francisco, California. The White Lady of Stowe Lake is a legend that has been circulating for the last 100 years. Supposedly, a young woman's baby drowned in the lake during the 1920s, and overcome with grief, the woman walked into the lake and drowned herself as well. 
Since then, visitors to the area reportedly started seeing the apparition of a woman rising out of the middle of the lake, a claim that continues to this day. Oh my god. Yeah. If you stick around long enough, she said to walk up to you and ask, have you seen my baby? That's terrifying. That's so scary. Mm -hmm. Other weird happenings are said to occur, too, like cars randomly stalling when driving by the lake. Then there's the pioneer mother statue that depicts a mother and two children, and the spirit of the white lady is said to reside in the monument. Some people have claimed that at night, the statue moves. Sometimes it also appears that there's three kids instead of two. Hmm. That's sad. Yeah, it is. And I was just going to say, maybe the third kid is the spirit of the baby. Oh, sure. Very sad. Mm -hmm. But in keeping with the theme of places unfamiliar to us for the rest of the episode... I wanted to do a deeper dive into Utah's Uinta Mountains in the Ashley National Forest. There's a reserve called Moon Lake. I have never been, nor have I stepped anywhere even close to Utah. But this particular lake stuck out to me not only for the purported hauntings, but because their slogan is amazing. Out of this world, but still in Utah. (laughs) I don't know why. I just love that so much. Aside from being able to rent cabins, go horseback riding, or camp on the grounds, Moon Lake has its fair share of ghost stories. There's even a specific tab on their website, moonlakeresort.com, not sponsored, (laughs) called Monsters and Ghosts, where they collect stories of sightings and encounters from people who have camped there. So it seems to be something they really lean into, which I always think is fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Their most well-known legend is that of Mooney, the lake's resident monster. Hmm. Dating back to old Native American legends from the Uinta tribe, numerous people have claimed to see something large swimming through the water in a zigzag motion, creating ripples in its wake. There's multiple accounts of the monster following people's boats, only to swim off once they get close to shore. A woman also wrote in and said that in 1995, she saw Mooney herself and described the creature as black, bumpy, and ugly, Oh, which I think is kind of me. Yeah. <laughs> Let Mooney be herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Moon Lake being 100 miles away from the Dinosaur National Monument, which I want to see so badly someday because <laughs> I am a massive dinosaur nerd and I would probably cry. <laughs> Some people say that Mooney could very well be a prehistoric creature, much like the Loch Ness Monster. Mm. Moon Lake's most famous ghost, though, is that of a seven-year-old girl who legend says drowned in the lake. Mm. Multiple campers have claimed to see her and described her as soaked and shivering with blue lips. Oh! I know. (laughs) She's reportedly come up to people and asked them for help, but every time they get close to her, she vanishes. sucks that's terrible she doesn't always ask for help though so there is a bit of a silver lining others have claimed to hear sobbing and we'll get to the silver lining others have claimed to hear sobbing and wailing sounds from the woods at night which they believe to come from the little girl while others have said that they've heard the sound of a girl laughing and running through their campsites a sound which almost always ends with them hearing a splash in the lake Hmm. even if the lake is completely calm So she has fun on some days, at least. Mm -hmm. 
Her sightings are a bit different than your regular ghost encounters, though, because she usually materializes in the afternoon in broad daylight, which almost never happens. Mm. Uh, personally, I've been surrounded by the paranormal my entire life, and I've only ever seen one apparition in the day, and I'm almost 30. <laughs> Not only is Moon Lake known for Mooney and the Ghost Girl, though, there's also multiple reports of people seeing lights flying above the lake. They're almost always in a group of four, and each light has a different color, red, blue, yellow, and green. The lights will turn on and off, fly around each other, and alternate colors before ultimately vanishing. There's never any noise associated with these lights either, but the people who have witnessed them have stated that what follows is a feeling of eeriness and negativity, like someone else is watching you and they do not want you there. Oh, I hate that. I know. Have you ever experienced any lights or UFOs? Or I guess now they're calling them UAPs. I have once and multiple members of my family have, but we'll save those details for a later episode. You know, I have, and most of them have just been like odd lights in the sky, like flying in a really jolty, weird pattern. Mm. But it's usually around lakes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was Signs. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I just really felt like in that movie, they captured the eerie nature that would accompany seeing an extraterrestrial, oh, I could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> also quite eerie that I had actually heard about in recent years in the news are the legends and lore surrounding Long Island's largest and deepest lake, Runconcoma. No ETs here, at least of what I saw. I didn't look. <laughs> but there are plenty of residents that refuse to go in the lake as they feel that it's cursed and that the risk outweighs anything else. Wow. This one also has its own ghost ship who, so they say, still drags young men to their graves. Oh. <laughs> And the they is the New York Post. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, this article and all articles used, as always, will be linked in the show notes. Credit given where credit is due. Legend has it that in the 1600s, a young Setauket Indian princess named Tuscawanta fell madly in love with a blonde bearded woodcutter she spotted one day across the water. A blonde bearded woodcutter. Girly, I feel ya. <laughs> In one version of the spooky Suffolk County saga, the Native American Juliet catches the eye of the Romeo woodsman, Hugh Birdsall, and he becomes equally entranced with her, but her father forbids her from seeing the white English settler. The distraught princess then spends every day for the next seven years writing Birdsall letters on pieces of bark and trying to send them to him by floating them across the water. She never gets a response and, in despair, finally rows out into the middle of the lake and stabs herself in the heart. Jeez. According to locals who retell the tragic tale in one version or another, every year since, the Lady of the Lake has made it her mission to grab a young man from her watery grave to replace her lost love. Hmm. However, there are so many drownings that take place on this lake, which is why I had heard about it, I think, like, a year or two ago, maybe longer, and it was mm. just a resurfaced story. Yeah. But the water must be just infested with spirits. 
at least 160 from the 1850s to the 1970s, with only three of them being female. And there have been 30 more deaths in the decades since the 70s. A former lifeguard, David Igneri, I hope I'm saying your name right, David, who also has a doctorate in colonial American history, says that there might be some depth to this legend. (laughs) He had a terrifying premonition about a drowning while guarding witnessed instances where females inexplicably survived situations others would have died in, listened to Buddy's tales of their encounters with the heartsick princess, and lived to tell about his own brush with death in the lake. He said that he had his own possible brush with Tuscawanta about four or five years ago. He said he was swimming toward a local bar and grill on the edge of the lake, which sounds great. I know. <laughs> known as the lighthouse. And when he got close, he found himself swimming in place. And then I got picked up and I got thrown back, he said. This legend does say that the princess lives in the deep hole near the lighthouse, and that's where he was. Wow. The lake is now off limits to swimmers because of algae bloom, and while the post says there's no historical proof that the princess ever lived, Hugh Birdsall is believed to be a real person who moved back to England and married. Now there's a sculpture of her carved into a tree trunk that overlooks the lake. Huh. I kind of love the fact that even though Hugh Birdsall might have been a real person and Tuscawanta might not have been, they still have a dedicated sculpture of her in her honor. Mm-hmm. Like we were discussing earlier in the episode, the links between energy and water. I feel like that also has to provide some kind of energy to the lake oh. and whatever might exist in its depths. Completely. I mean, even if she wasn't real, tell me that's not at least being honored. Right. And I guess manifested a little bit. Sure. <laughs> if there's a sculpture to her I mean, overlooking the lake. But it, it's, I don't know. There haven't really been like many recent drownings. So mm. um, maybe that helped a little, yeah. you know, to show some respect If not for her, then for the legend. Right. Mm -hmm. And it could also be an egregore, Mm -hmm. which is where you, a group of people just think and believe in something so hard that it does manifest. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Also, I want to wrap this up a little bit by saying, even though they have no clue who I am. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the TikTok account Geodesaurus. That's G-E-O-D-E-S-A-U-R-U-S, who has an amazing series all about haunted lakes. So if you liked this episode or topic, I'm sure you'll love their videos too. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at the Castaways Pod. No punctuation there, just one word. Our TikTok is the underscore castaways underscore pod. And our email is the castaways.pod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us your paranormal stories and we'll share them on the pod. And that's all that we have for you guys this week on Haunted Lakes. Thank you for spending your time with us once again. 
I'm Sarah. I'm Kelsey. And And we're we're the Castaways. That's the rain. Oh my god. Wow, it's it's yeah, really. Love that. It's raining cats and dogs. Oh, it's like that Drew Barrymore TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) I love her. I know. What does she say? Like, if you ever ever get the chance. Yes. That's what it was. Don't miss the opportunity. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe it'll add to the spooky atmosphere. Hey, yeah. Dude, we're talking about theories of the link between the paranormal and water. Hello. I know. <laughs> I am so dehydrated right now. I swear to God, my brain is just like not <laughs> aligning. She, she's not firing on all cylinders. No. Since then, visitors to the area reportedly started seeing. Sen- <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't know. I just have a case of the giggles. <laughs> okay.